both. Imagine this. You're sitting in your car. You get a phone call from a number that looks legitimate. You find out later that it's a scam. I get that call like at least three times a week from my daughter. She's looking for money. (laughs) But that's legitimate. No, come on. That's your opinion. This week, we're talking about a clear-cut crime. That's true. Today, we're going to hear about trademark filing and how it could open you up to being scammed. Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam Levin. I'm Bo Friedlander. And I'm Travis Taylor. Hi, my name is Nadine, and I recently got scammed. So Nadine, where are you coming to us from today? I am coming to you from sunny Boston, Massachusetts. But you don't sound like you're a Southie. You sound like you come from somewhere else. Where are you from? I really don't. Um, I'm not from Kansas either. I am originally (laughs) British. Um, But they have fun accents too in Boston, so hey, you know. (laughs) I've been in the U.S. for too long, longer than I can remember now. So So what do you do? Um, I am a private jeweler, diamond dealer. I work with private clients, um, and I source diamonds and create diamond jewelry for clients. So Bo and I will obviously be calling you after the show, but then. Whoa, Travis, <laughs> what they, how do you know Travis doesn't want to buy a diamond? Because Travis said to me, no diamonds this year. None. I just oh. did a house. Leave me alone. More about you. the uh, brass knuckles in the Taylor family. <laughs> <laughs> so Nadine, what brought you to our show? Um, so... I applied for a U.S. patent at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Um, My intention in doing so was to actually use the patent for my business, um, to be able to use my business name. Um, But secondly, there was an Instagram account in my business name that's unused. And uh, another way around claiming that Instagram account is having a, a licensed U.S. patent and trademark. And that's sort of a way that you can prove that you use this business name and they might give over the account to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of the ways where they'll assign the business over to you if it's if it's registered and trademarked. What was the process like filing for a trademark? Did you have an expectation as to how long the process would take or the steps that you'd have to follow? Um, you can either you know, file the the patent and the trademark yourself, um, which is, you know, a fairly convoluted process. Um, They they don't make it easy on the website. It's not easy to navigate. Um, It's somewhat complicated. And most people, from what I understand, will use a patent attorney to do that for you. Um, Or you can can do it yourself. But the whole, whole process takes nine to 12 months. That's what they're stating online. Um, They have to have um, a U.S. patent attorney assigned to the government, review your application, make sure there's no other business out there with your business name. And it's, it's a fairly lengthy process. So, and it's expensive. And so did you decide to do it yourself? I did decide to do it myself. Um, and I felt rather proud that I had successfully managed to navigate it because as I said, it's not, they don't make it easy. At this point in the story, I mean, to me, everything sounds pretty kosher. It sounds like it's going the way it should. What's the scam here? Two weeks after I had filed 
um, and I'd received a confirmation email that my application was in process and would be reviewed. Um, and then around two weeks later, it was, you know, late in the afternoon, I received a call and thought I recognized the number, thought I had seen the number somewhere, and it was the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. You you went, you earnestly did what they said would make this work. You went to go get a trademark. And then you got a call from the trademark office in Washington, D.C. What did you think when they were sort of chatty with you? Um, so the lady on the phone was... Um, seemed very friendly and personable, you know, confirmed that I was the business owner, um, that I had made a recent application to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And she actually complimented me on the fact that I had, she asked me if I had had done the application myself, um, which would have been obvious from my application. And I stated that, yes, I had. And she complimented me on the fact that I apparently completed my application without any errors, which is very unusual and, you know, how smart I was to have been able to complete this application on my own, which most people don't do. So that in and of itself was your red flag, which is someone from the government complimenting me. (laughs) Wow. So I kind of felt somewhat reassured and flattered. But now during, when you apply for a mark, there's also... There's public disclosure of information, right? And in addition to that, there's also public comment period, too, for people to come back and say, wait a minute, uh, I use that. I'm using the same mark, yeah. Right. Right. So she then went on to mention that the actual patent application was um, going through the process and that it was a nine to 12 month application, which is exactly what I had read. Um, and that that takes some time, but that if I wanted to proceed with using the TM for trademark and, you know, patent pending or trademark, I could actually start using the trademark um, and the, the small letters that designate a trademark, I could start using those immediately. And she didn't actually mention anything to do with a fee for, you know, another five minutes we were talking about the trademark and where I would be able to use it and how I would be able to use it and this that this was an interim step. Yeah, yeah. And then she said she could expedite the process and get me my official trademark sooner. And she said that the process could be expedited for $495. $495 sounds like a, like what a vacuum cleaner would cost, like a really good one. It, it's always uh, 500 and up is uh, grand theft. So anything below that, that's the uh, red flag. Oh, Travis, you and your logic. <laughs> <laughs> they asked for 495 And were you at all suspicious of this, sir? Um, so I didn't, I didn't suspect anything suspicious um, until I asked her if there was an email or if I could pay um, she mentioned the application fee, which was, you know, $495. And I asked her if I could pay that online. And she said at this point that there, that there wasn't an, an ability to pay online for this fee. Um, and that just, there was like a tiny little alarm bell. 
and she actually said to me, you can look up the number that I'm calling you from. You can verify that this is the US Patent and Trademark Office, which I did um, as I was on the call with her. Um, and I did I did verify that it was a US Patent and Trademark Office and it was their main number. And I, I felt comforted at that point that that was where she was calling me from. She informed me that um, we could, she could take the payment over the phone, she could take a credit card, um, that, you know, at that point, um, I would receive an email later that afternoon or in the evening confirming that the, the payment had been made and giving me, you know, some form of confirmation number that I was able to use um, that, you know, the words trademark. And she then went on after she had said, you know, the, the payment for $495 and I'd given her my credit card information or my, my company credit card information. Um, she then went into reading me a lengthy disclosure, uh, which literally went on for two minutes because I had to actually mute so her. So she did a great government impression. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rogue Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rogue's got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So, Bo and Adam, you guys know I'm a bit of a uh, privacy geek, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah, totally. I, I really just don't like the idea that just about anyone can find you online, can find out where you live or your email address or your phone number or anything. I just think that entire idea is super creepy. There's so much of my data already out there, but is there something that you can do? Yeah, actually, you can use Delete Me. Delete Me is a service that pretty much does the heavy lifting for you, where they go to all the data brokers that they have on file and uh, just pull your data and delete it on a regular basis. I use it. I like it. And they make it quick, easy, and safe to remove your personal data online. Well, yeah, with these data brokers, they can accumulate huge amounts of your personally identifiable information. And if all that information gets into the hands of a bad actor, that opens you up to a lot of risk. And if you act now, you can get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and use promo code WTH. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash WTH and enter promo code WTH at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash WTH, promo code WTH, which stands for What the Hack. And we thank you for supporting Delete Me and What the Hack. So you're on the phone with what you think is the trademark office. 
and they just offered to expedite your filing for $495. Now, part of what they did is they read you this really lengthy disclosure, which made you believe that you were on the phone with actually a real person at the Patent and Trademark Office and not just a scammer. And during that time, the disclosure actually states that I may receive other calls from companies, you know, purporting to be from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and I don't need to answer those calls and I don't need to speak to anybody, that no one would be calling me <laughs> from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. You know, that's actually pretty clever on the scammers' part to let you know that you'd be contacted by scammers and not to believe them. Yeah, so the, the, the two-minute disclaimer, it just sounded very typical of... Um, I hate to say it, but a government institution. And it, it was such a lengthy disclosure that it just added to the believability factor, I guess, um, and, and made me feel somewhat comfortable, <laughs> even though I had this little tiny, you know, alarm bell ringing in my head thinking, you know, why can't they take my payment online? Um, why do I have to do a payment over the phone? But Having confirmed that it was their actual number, um, I felt comfortable. At the bottom of every scam, there is some need that is being uh, completely catered to. And in your case, it was getting your trademark. So you, they didn't know that you were looking to get your Instagram account back, but um, they, they knew that you wanted this trademark. You know, it could be a person looking for romance and love, or it could be a thousand different things. But there's always this sort of person who, need something and this other person who's got the solution and um and that is a real setup here i would have provided my credit card information were i in your situation how did the charge show up on your bank account it didn't and that's that's the surprising part um i i when i realized the next day i immediately went um, to check my credit card statement online and there's nothing there. No attempted charge, nothing. And obviously I canceled my card immediately. Good move. Um, but there was no charge. Was there any other information that they requested from you in that phone call? No, they really didn't. Um, they just confirmed, I guess they just confirmed um, my business address, um, which I believe is... Well, the zip code, which is where my, my credit card is registered to, um, which is my business address. And they really didn't verify. They didn't ask for any other information. Mm -hmm. Two thoughts. One, they have your name. They have your address, maybe. I don't know about that. But they definitely have your name and they have your credit card number and they have the information to use your credit card. And that can be sold to create a credit card on the black market that will happen at some other time um, and not right now. And they're just banking on you not realizing what happened and not canceling and your trademark application taking six months and whatever. And you go ahead and and live your life until you realize that you've been scammed and you don't know how it happened because it was six months ago and you've forgotten. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The other is kind of delightful that they wrote the number down wrong. <laughs> Um, yeah, I have absolutely no idea why they why they didn't charge my credit card. Absolutely none. I'm completely clueless. All right, so let's talk about spoof uh, spoofing phone numbers, Travis. 
uh, you, you do it all the time. I know it's you calling from the sweepstakes telling me that I've won because I have these, like I basically, my adrenaline, my, my adrenals are shot. They don't make adrenaline anymore because you've scammed me so many times. I'm always the one to do the heavy breathing on the phone, actually. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Nadine, Travis might be also spoofing you at some point in the future, but it's all in good Wait, fun. Wait, by spoofing in quotes here? I'm like hearing something different. Now, come on, spoof phone calls. All right, with uh, spoofing phone calls, it is legal to do so. I think that's one of the main things that people don't really know. Travis, I can't get over the fact. I would like to say that you're wrong, and I know that you're not wrong, and it's super annoying. How the hell is spoofing legal? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's legal because there are legitimate uses for it. Like what? Okay, say you're a therapist and you're going to call a client directly from your cell phone. Yeah. You don't necessarily want them to have that direct conduit to your personal direct line. Right, so it says no ID. No, but what you still want to give them the opportunity to be able to call you back. Uh, But instead, that phone number goes to your receptionist or your front desk. Or a voicemail box. But isn't that just Grasshopper and those kind of companies? Like Google Voice? No, um, you can just do that through the phone company, actually. Like standard landlines, cell phone lines. Yeah, again, there's it's not illegal and it's something where it's a good way to be able to say, you know, if I'm going on vacation and I want to uh, make sure that, some, that I'm not going to miss a call or that my company is going to miss a call, you can have a different phone number uh, listed as your callback. Now, Google Voice also gives you a discrete phone number that is not your regular phone number that will bounce to your regular phone number. Right. Mm-hmm. Google Voice is used for scams. Google Voice also has other uses. I used it when I got into a car accident and the guy wouldn't call his insurance company back and I th- thought he was maybe a criminal, so I kept calling him with my Google <laughs> Voice number because I didn't want him to find me. Right. Even though he had paperwork saying who I was and where I lived. Is that spoofing? That's what I want to know. It's a forwarded account. Correct. Yeah. I don't have the ability to say I'm the insurance company when I call. It just says a different phone number. What is the difference between that and spoofing? How do they get the name Social Security Administration on the phone call? You are able to set up how you appear on caller ID. You can do that through your phone service uh, if you have a landline or through your provider. Anyone can do it? Yeah, again, it's legal. It's uh, there's no there's nothing inherently illegal about changing how you show up when you call someone. So, so Travis, tell me why you haven't changed your caller ID to say Billy D. Williams. Um, I was a little bit torn between that and Lando Calrissian, so it, I never really so got around to it. you haven't done any. Now, no. I literally, I could do that. I could change my name to, uh, you know, Bobo Black Dog, and the phone company would have to let that be up there. Yeah, I mean, you might have a, you might get a little bit of pushback there, but yeah, it's technically how you appear on caller ID can be adjusted to just about anything. Okay, so so that is what's going on. Right. Why is it not illegal to say you're the Social Security Administration? It is. Yeah. If you are masquerading as a federal agency or a federal or state, and in particular, anything to do with law enforcement, you're in trouble. Right. Well, that's like putting on a uniform and standing at a military, you know, installation. <laughs> You're impersonating a poli- a military uh, officer and you will get in trouble. Not necessarily yeah. an officer, but whatever. No, I mean, that, that would be a red flag if you're trying to set that up. But let's just keep in mind that scammers here are clever. The same way they do typo squatting, you could have something saying, 
SSA or uh, social with a you know, slightly different spelling? Well, abbreviations is an easy way to do it. The other thing, too, is best rule of thumb, unless you absolutely positively knows calling you, don't pick up, wait to listen to the message, and even then, independently verify it's the right organization and the right phone number. Scams work when we are busy with our lives. And so if you're doing something, do the thing you're doing. I know this show is about cybercrime, but right now it's going to be about staying in the moment. If you're driving, drive. Do not if, respond to a text saying, oh my God, your bank account has been, been uh, you know, compromised or any other kind of emergency fight or flight style text that makes you worry. Wait, it'll wait. Travis, when this call comes in, you see a thing on caller ID. Is there any way to know that it's not real? Really, the main thing that uh, comes to mind is that, um, at least with iPhone, that'll tell you that it's a spam risk or likely scan. There's another way. I got a call, and this is this is important. There is such a time sink when it comes to these kind of phone calls. I got a call from Chase Bank recently saying that somebody had opened up a checking account in my name. And we had just talked about it on the show with uh, David Maiman. So I was thinking about this checking fraud. What I did when I got that call is what I think everybody should do. I said to the guy, who I very much thought was a scammer, I said, do you have a 1-800 number? And he said, just call the 800 number on the back of your card. And he hung up. And I thought, that's a new wrinkle in an old game, because it, it turned out it was a scammer. I called the 800 number on the back of my card. I followed through. I was on the phone for 45, 50 minutes, Travis. You'll remember because you were waiting for me to get off the phone. Right. And I, uh, I went all the way to the fraud department. And you're going to find out when you do this that there's a fraud department for credit cards and there's a fraud department for checks and there's another fraud department for other financial crimes, all at the same institution. So if you think it's complicated to uh, deal with cybercrime, you're right, it is. And I, so I was, I was on the phone. I finally got the right person. I said, is there a checking account uh, flag on my account? And she said, nope, that was a fraudulent call. And I said, thank you. And I just lost an hour of my life. Unfortunately, there's not really a lot you can do other than following through. In your case, the scammer said, it's really not worth my time if this guy's asking these kinds of questions. I'm going on to the next house that may not have a dog. Well, yeah. And he probably also knew he just stole an hour from me. And he was chuckling, saying, well, if, I, if you're not going to let me scam you, at least suffer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, there, there's absolutely nothing illegal about spoofing, which is one of the things that makes it uh, such an effective tool for scammers. So what they can say is like, hey, you know I'm on the level. This is the number I'm calling you from. Right. Because everyone who's on the level always says, hey, you know I'm on the level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being straight with you, you know what I'm saying? We're all from the Northeast. That's how people talk. <laughs> which is why the reaction was so pronounced in me when you said that the person calling from the trademark office charisma bombed you because from my point of view that was charisma saying like oh i can't believe you did it yourself like i've just never come across a government worker who doesn't sound like they just ate a yo-yo and they're pissed off about it mm. <laughs> so <laughs> it's still stuck somewhere in their esophagus and they're really mad 
after you learned it was a scam, you canceled your credit card, Nadine. I did. I, I called them and I immediately canceled the card. And did you file a complaint anywhere with the patent office or law enforcement or anything like that? Uh, I didn't because I have no idea who called me. I have no way of, of finding out who it was who called me in because there wasn't any attempted charge or charge on my credit card. I have I have nothing to... I can't report them. I have no idea where they're from. Let me strongly suggest something, and that is you consider getting a credit freeze. You really need to freeze your credit because they, they have a lot of information about you. Forgetting all the other breaches that they might have information from, but now they have, as a result of this phone call and what you filed with the trademark office, they have your phone number, they have other information about you. Your address. They have your address. So they have enough information about you that they are at least building the mosaic. And they can take a credit card out in your name or uh, build a new line of credit. Yeah, with this kind of information, they could also get medical treatment in your name. Yeah, it's serious. It seems like something that was actually most likely uh, meant to uh, make it into a commodity on the dark web. There are scams out there, believe it or not, Nadine, where um, somebody is actually just trying to get a security question answered, or they're trying to figure out exactly who you are. And the question will be, are you interested in selling me your property on 123XYZ Lane? And the reason they're asking you that is because in your authentication process, it's a question. The only way around that is to have your credit frozen, as Adam suggested. If your credit is frozen, you cannot um, have someone steal your credit. Um, there's other things they can do, but they can't steal your credit. Now, why is bundling all that information valuable? Because the, there's a there's it, think of it as like a painter's palette. They can do anything they want. Their tool box gets bigger and bigger, and they can commit different kinds of crime. Whether that is identity theft, health identity theft, uh, credit uh, account takeover. There, it's just it grows and grows the more information they have. Right. And another thing you can do is go to haveibeenpwned.com and just see what information has been leaked where. And if you're not using a password uh, manager of some kind and you don't have a really strong system for passwords, tighten up your password game. And pwned is P-W-N-E-D. But it's like owned, but with a P. Yeah, and no O. <laughs> exactly how is your painter's palette different from my mosaic? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's prettier. And, and do I still need to freeze my credit? I use Credit Karma, so I have access to see, you know, any credit inquiries on there. The, the issue is monitoring your credit will help you know what happened and what is happening, but it won't stop somebody from starting the process of getting it in the first place. Right. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. 
Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means you get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance an electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com when you, when you called the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office back and just to confirm, did you guys really call me yesterday? And they said they didn't. Did they give you any advice as to what you should do now that it was clear it wasn't them? Their only advice to me was that no one from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office will ever call me um, and that all communications will be through either um, my, you know, the portal um, or that they would send me an email letting me know that there would be a message in the portal. Um, but they, they were very clear that they will never make a call to you. So when you file for a trademark, some of your information is disclosed publicly. It's a way for there to be some public inspection so someone could contact other owners when researching whether to use a mark. Unfortunately, scammers take advantage of this and they target people like you. Huh. Yeah, it's like a less legal version of all the junk mail you get when you move somewhere. Nadine, did you know that your information was going to be made public when you filed for a trademark? I... It tells you that, I mean, obviously it tells you that some of your information is going to be made public. Um, I think I underestimated um, how, you know, how easily accessible that is to other people and whether it really holds any interest or value to anybody else. Um, I obviously totally underestimated that. Well, we've been uh, telling you our advice, but uh, do you have any advice for uh, anyone that's gone through this? Oh my, oh my God, I have no idea. <laughs> Don't, uh, just be aware that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office will never call you. Um, and that, that's all I can, that's, that's the only advice I can give is that they will never call you. In the future, would you hire a patent and trademark attorney or would you do it yourself? I, I think 
from the aspect of knowing that my information is public, um, I would possibly use a US, you know, attorney, patent attorney. Um, but in this, in these circumstances, I wanted to keep my cost down. Um, and I figured I would do it myself, knowing that my information is out there and it's, and it's public and obviously very public. Um, yeah, I would probably consider using an attorney. Nadine, thank you so much for sharing your story. Now, if someone's interested in custom jewelry, can they reach out to you and, and where can they reach out to you? Sure. It's called NY Diamonds. Um, the website is nydiamonds.com. Um, and we are based in Boston, but obviously work with clients all over the U.S. and worldwide. And now it's time for our tinfoil swan. Our paranoid takeaway to keep you safe online. So we just heard about how filing for a trademark puts your information out there. But one thing that we only touched on is domain name registration. More specifically, how registering a domain name also puts your information up for grabs. Yeah, and that's something a lot of people overlook. When you register a domain name, you need to provide a mailing address, name, email address, and phone number. That's like crack for scammers. Well, or candy, but uh, so especially if you're a scammer looking to hijack a domain name. Yeah, so what can people do? If you're gonna buy a domain name, I suggest spending a little bit extra just to get privacy protection on it. If you're buying a domain name on behalf of a company, it's not as big of a deal. You can just put the uh, company's information on there. But if it's a personal domain name, or if you own a small business, that puts one extra layer of protection between you and scammers. Can't you just provide false information when you register it? No, absolutely not. Uh, you may remember my legal name is not Bo, which it has actually made it harder for me to do certain things online. And I, you know, I basically have two different personas. One is the persona that is my name I went to school with, and the other is my passport and bank account and other stuff. And, and um, if you ever, guys, if you ever say what that name is, you'll be in big trouble. <laughs> and anyway... As anyone who's ever been on GoDaddy.com or Network Solutions can tell you, uh, domain name registrars try to add as many paid add-ons as possible. Most of them really aren't worth the money. But privacy protection? It's definitely worth a few extra bucks. And now we know he's not getting any money from GoDaddy. That is our tinfoil swan. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. You can find us online at adamlevin.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.